0: This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUB Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. Week three
1: of NFL Friday. Glad to be with you again. Charlie Maizano alongside Andrew Posadas, Evan Janikin, and Michael Leegan with the Fantasy Hits. Guys, what's going on this week? Charlie, how are we doing? How are we doing? Yeah, just another week of football.
2: Yeah, I mean, Thursday night football last night, who couldn't be happy? Another riveting game.
1: Oh, yeah, and again, we're going to start with the Thursday night game. Last night, Jacksonville defeated Tennessee 20-7. to Gardner Minshew was the story, threw for 204 yards, two touchdowns, 20 of 30
0: passing. I mean... It's Minshew Mania down in Jacksonville. I mean, if you got a mustache and a 70s-style disco shirt, I think you're going to be a big Minshew fan moving forward. And he was just making throw after throw in the pocket. It was only one, but playing like a 6'6", just uh, a huge quarterback. And credit to him. And, I mean, what can we say about the Titans, Evan? It was just uh, uh, it
2: was wow. It was such a classic AFC South Thursday night football game where you know it's just going to end like 27 or... 1917. Just one of those classic games. But I was impressed with Minshew. You know, he was really gutsy with his throws. He was seeming to fit them into tight windows. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, I was really, really impressed with him.
1: And we'll start with Jacksonville first, since they did win and go through their storylines of the game. And then we'll go to Tennessee. Um, We we touched on Gardner Minshew a little bit, Um, obviously thrown into this role because of the injury of Nick Foles. And he's really put on a show uh, this past week. I mean, last week against Houston, kind of struggled to move the ball a little bit, just First first start in his NFL career, got a little bit of the rookie hiccups. But I think he came into his own against a Tennessee team who I personally think is overhyped. And Marcus Mariota just proved last night that he he is not a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore.
2: Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Excuse me. Uh, In the third quarter, I I don't know if you remember in the beginning of the third quarter, one of the first drives, Marcus Mariota had two wide-open looks in the end zone to Delaney Walker, and he under- Missed both. Missed them both by a mile. It wasn't even close. And I'd have to agree with you. I don't even know if overhyped is the word at this point because the Titans, year in, year out, just don't get the job done, and they don't have the offensive weapons. They have, they seem to have the offensive weapons, but they don't ever just put it all together.
0: Yeah, and uh, just going with Jacksonville, I think Minshew gives them a different dynamic where he can run the ball. He can get out of the pocket. Make some things happen with some time. Before that, we talk about Blake Bortles, even Nick Foles. Now he's not the type of guy who's going to be mobile in the pocket. He's a pocket passer. So I think that extra dynamic, especially with Leonard Fournette starting off a bit slow, I think it's going to help Jacksonville moving forward for a potential wild card.
1: Jacksonville is back. They sacked Marcus Mariota nine times. Uh, obviously, the defense was was huge last night for them. The other big story with the Jaguars defense. Will Jalen Ramsey be on this team moving forward? Requested a trade earlier last week, and he personally thinks himself that that was his last game as a Jaguar. A lot of people question why he was even playing, considering if he did get hurt, then Jacksonville wouldn't be able to get a haul for him. But my opinion on that, if you're Jacksonville, you're 0-2, you're playing a division rival... You need a win. You need your best player on defense out there, so why not play him?
0: Yeah, it doesn't really matter. At this point, every game counts, and as long as Jalen Ramsey's wearing a Jaguars jersey, if he's healthy, he's good to go. And if he does play well, he did shut down Hopkins the week before, had a good game this week. His his value will only rise where those two first-round picks that they're asking for— they'll get him if he keeps locking down the opponent's best wide receiver
2: yeah and i I, i'd have to agree with you i think that they're gonna get those picks if they keep trotting him out there and letting him show his value but it's just interesting to see it the nfl is really trending towards that kind of players oriented style kind of like the nba where jalen ramsey can be outward and say okay i want to trade i want out and they seem to be a little bit more receptive to that especially ownership these days but it's it's really going to be interesting to see that unfold as the season goes on with Jalen Ramsey.
1: And if I'm Jacksonville, why even rush to trade him? I mean, you got plenty of time till the end, till the trade deadline. I'll find the exact date on that. Um, but you you start you just got a big win against a division rival. Um, why not hold on to him until a you get the best package possible that you want for him, and b wait until you see like where your record is down the line. I mean, if the defense is playing this well all year long and Gardner Minshew slash Nick Foles, if he comes back healthy, is able to lead the offense down, down the field and score a lot of points and win games. Why not keep him and and keep this team together? I mean, they were literally a quarter away from going to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. The defense was the carrier for that team, and they almost literally went to the Super Bowl. So why not run it back with this this defense, which is pretty similar to that team and just see where see where the road takes you.
0: Absolutely, and if you if you just bide your time, Jacksonville, sooner or later a team like Philadelphia, who's secondary right now is in shambles, or a team like Kansas City or Baltimore, who feel like they're right there on the cusp of New England, they might get desperate and say, hey, we won't give you two first-round picks, but we'll give you a first, a second, and a second next year. So as lo- as, as the weeks go by, teams are going to get desperate and want to get something.
1: And look what Houston did in their own division. They desperately needed... An offensive lineman, considering that Deshaun Watson got sacked the most times in the NFL last year, Laramie Tunsil was available for the Dolphins. They threw two first-round picks and a second-round pick for him. So I don't know. I don't know what the Jags, Jaguars specifically want. I'm sure they want two first-round picks, but for me, I would hold out. I mean, the trade line I just checked is October 29, so they got over a month.
2: Yeah, that's a long, long time. I, I'd have to com- continually just agree with you guys. I really think that they should just wait it out and. Just see if he continues his strong play, obviously. And, you know, the Jaguars, you go into next week, you're 1-2. and two. It's not that bad of a situation. I mean, Nick Foles, how long did they say that he's going to be out for? Probably like six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. If Gardner Minshew can at least hold down the fort, like you said, with like Blake Bortles did. By the way, I won't take the Blake Bortles slander. I was a big, big fan of Blake oh Bortles. Oh, God. Especially him being in the AFC South. Anyways, I think just see how Gardner Minshew plays. If he continues great. If not, sell high.
0: Yeah, and I mean, in just looking at their schedule moving forward, you got Denver, Carolina, New Orleans. They don't All have Drew beatable Brees. teams, especially the without Bengals. Drew Brees, like you and said. Then, yeah, and, we, and then the Jets, who we'll talk about later. So by the time Nick Foles come, comes back, this could be a team that's maybe 5-2. And, two. and would, do you want to take that continuity out and just put in Foles and take Minshew out? I, I don't know if you want to do that. Well, you're paying him $80 million, and he is pretty darn good. He was Super Bowl MVP for the Eagles.
1: I, I I get the case of riding the hot hand, but Nick Foles has proven he can he
0: can play well in this league. I mean, I'm i an Eagles fan. I, I love Nick Foles. He'll always have a special place in my heart. But at the end of the day, if Minshew is hot, the rule in football is not to take out the hot quarterback, especially when you're putting in a starter.
2: And it's not exactly the Eagles offense. You have Leonard Fournette, who I think is basically the next Trent Richardson at this point. I That might be an overreaction, but that's just the vibes think, that I'm getting at this point. I think it's an overreaction. Trent,
1: it, Trent Richardson was not bad as bad.
2: Okay, not as bad as Trent Richardson, but he's pretty disappointing if you watch the games. He busted out that long run last night and that was basically it. Other than that, he averaged 4 yards a carry last night. Yep. That obviously means he was busting 2-yard runs pretty much throughout the night. And a lot of it does have to do with the offensive line, but he's just not shown that he's really that much of an offensive weapon and I don't think that that's really the same case as the Eagles offense.
0: I mean, and I think the same could be said for Derrick Henry. Both him and Fournette have really just been disappointing. Both had huge hype coming out of Alabama and uh, LSU, respectively. And just to see where they've gone, they're kind of taking that Trent Richardson path. They, I mean, they didn't fall out as quick as Trent did, but right now, both of them, 44 yards for Derrick Henry, 66 for Leonard Fournette, just not what we expected when we saw them coming out of college. And that's a good good segue, Andrew, because you mentioned Derrick Henry.
1: Now let's focus on the, the Titans aspect of this game. They fall to one and two, and two back-to-back division losses. Um, Marcus Mariota, again, sacked nine times, proven that uh, he hasn't lived up to the potential. He threw 23 of 40 for his passing, 304 yards, no touchdowns, no interception, just not good enough if you want to win that division or let alone make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, 28 QBR at that too, Charlie, and... I mean, we could blame the offensive line for the nine sacks, but a lot of those a lot of those possessions is just Mariota just holding it on for just too long, not knowing what to do with it, not going through his first second read, just nothing there for him and I mean, maybe you could blame the wide receivers for that, but he's just holding on to the ball, just waiting. He's too a long. mobile quarterback, like run. He, like when he runs the ball, he's pretty darn good. I don't know why he just waits in the pocket and then he collapses, he gets sacked right away. I just don't think he wants to take shots, Evan. I think at that point, when you're a running quarterback, he's not as big as Cam, so those type of shots are affecting him more than they would somebody like Cam.
2: Yeah, it's definitely affecting his mentality. But I just don't think that he has the same talent level. Even he's just sh- constantly shown that he can't make the big throws when it when they need to be made. Now, granted, he'll have a couple weeks a year where you're like, this guy's fantastic, the Titans offense is hitting, this is going to be the year. But it seems like it's trending towards every other year where the Titans end up with like an 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, finish, and they're just not going to get the job done on offense again.
1: Overreaction or underreaction, Ryan Tannehill is the backup there,
0: played some pretty good years in Miami. Should he be starting for the for the Titans in Week 4? Absolutely he should. At some point, you have to either part ways with Marcus Mariota or at least bench him and just give him a chance to just sit back and maybe take a few weeks to just go over everything, be a backup. Maybe that'll put some fire under him. And speaking on Tano, he has been to the playoffs before. He's been in some big games. I mean that's about as good a backup as you're going to have right now considering the landscape of the NFL. So, I mean, why not? If you're the Titans and you need something fresh, maybe Tannehill is that option.
2: And I think they do need something fresh. I don't know if Tannehill is necessarily the option. Maybe they can try to make a trade midseason, but I, I just don't think that they're going to be in a position to want to make a trade. If you're trending this downward, you're already going to be at let's say 4-4 four and four midseason because you know, like I said, Marcus Marriott is going to have a couple of those games where you see glimpses of him being good. But I just don't. I think that they need to start thinking about maybe getting a new quarterback down the line. Maybe in the draft.
1: I was going to say there are plenty of quarterbacks in this draft who are pretty good. Jake Fromm, Tua Tungavailoa. Um, Justin Herbert from Oregon, same as Marcus Mariota. Or if you want to even go down the line two years from now, Trevor Lawrence out of, out of Clemson is very intriguing.
0: Yeah, and with, with Mike Vrabel there, they play a lot behind the center now than they used to. And Mariota coming from Oregon, he was always in shotgun, running the pistol. He was never under center. So seeing him there, I feel like that also is taking up some of his time to use his progressions, make reads. And it hasn't been working out so far for him. So, well,
1: Mike Vrabel actually, after the game yesterday, said that he's not considering a quarterback change. I personally think he should. I think we all do think he should eventually. Whether it happens later in the season is up is up to for debate, or whether we'll see it or not happen, uh, we'll see. Um, but before we go on to our fantasy segment and talk about the Jets and Giants, just some other league league news uh, from from last week. The quarterback position has been decimated so far in the past uh, two weeks of the season. It's been unprecedented in my opinion Ben Roethlisberger gone for the season uh Sam Darnold, which happened two weeks ago out indefinitely with mono looking at a week five return uh Drew Brees is out for six weeks with an injury um and then obviously earlier on in the year Andrew Luck retires and Nick Foles gets hurt just the quarterback position has just been really really disappointing this year for all NFL fans and not because uh because of a choice just everyone's getting hurt and uh people are, are having to make a move.
2: Just nonstop, it seems like half the league's quarterbacks are injured. and I'm kind of used to, at this point, seeing Ben Roethlisberger trot out there with injury after injury and just play through it, which is why I was kind of surprised to see him out for the season. It feels like such a foreign thing where he's kind of just been in Pittsburgh playing every year.
1: And also Cam Newton is actually officially out for this week against Arizona too.
0: Yeah, we're just going to add that. The the NFC South, no Drew Brees, no Cam Newton. I mean, that division is wide open for the Atlanta Falcons to just go 10-6, and 11-5 and, and just win it there because it looks like, I mean, we don't know what to expect from the Bucks. And with uh, with Cam, Wilson. yeah, with Cam and Breeze out, it just feels right for the Atlanta Falcons to just sneak in and win this division easily this year. I
2: I want to talk about that because that's another team that is really just so frustrating to me. The Atlanta Falcons. You look at their offense, you are like, oh my god, Devonte Freeman, all these great Leo guys, Jones. Julio Jones, uh, Calvin, Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley. Oh my god! You look at that roster, and you are like, how is this team not ripping off ten, eleven wins every single year and winning the division?
0: And they just seem to disappoint again every time. And it's crazy because Matt Ryan had a few just, uh, just questionable interceptions against the Eagles' secondary. That's really hot garbage at this point. He kind of looked like Kirk Cousins out there, Matt Ryan doing his best Kirk Cousins impressions yeah. with some of those some of those throws. But uh, yeah, you're right; they're hit or miss. But I feel like this year, with everything that's going on in the division, it's absolutely theirs for the taking at ten and six, eleven and five. So it, we'll see where they go from there.
2: It's for the taking. Don't get me wrong, their defense is not very good, but I do agree with you that they should rip off 10-11 wins. I just hope that they can for their sake because it's been constant just disappointment ever since that Super Bowl. And
1: just in general, teams like Pittsburgh who are 0-2, losing their guy Big Ben for the whole season, having to start Mason Rudolph for the whole season, um, or just a team like Jacksonville who started 0-2 before winning last night, having to start a rookie in Gardner Minshew. What is what is your guys' takeaway on this? young quarterbacks starting for these older guys and having to pick up the load until whether they come out, come back, or are gone the whole season. Well,
2: the Steelers must be high on Mason Rudolph. They just bought high on Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah. so they really think that they could win with Mason Rudolph this year. And. Not You know what? Not to say that they're going to win this year because Minka Fitzpatrick is under contract for the next few years. That's a great, I in my opinion, a great trade for them. But it's interesting the point I, that well, you made.
1: I'll, I'll, put my, I'll say my point in a minute. But
2: no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I don't think it was a good trade at all considering that if Mason Rudolph struggles and the Pittsburgh Steelers finish the year 3-13, and 13, that pick is going to go right up to the Dolphins. They're going to have a, the number one overall pick considering that they, I personally think they'll go 0-16. That's how bad they look. Or Whether if they go 116 or not, they're going to be in the position to get a top three draft pick. If they get that, and then the Steelers pick, and they also get the Texans pick, they're going to be swimming in draft picks and, and
0: really good players in this draft. But
2: will that pick be more valuable than Minka Fitzpatrick is over yes, the next few? Yes. Because he's oh, going gonna... to
0: yes, potentially sure. be a top five pick if Pittsburgh does fall out and they only win four or five games. That could easily be a top five. It's pick. a
2: gamble for sure. I agree with you guys, but I think it was the right move for them. I think it's fine.
0: But Charlie, just going back to the young quarterbacks, I think Minshew is—he's different. He has a chip on his shoulder. A six-round pick. Nobody expected anything from him coming out of Wazoo. And we haven't seen – we'll see Daniel Jones this Sunday. We haven't seen Dwayne Haskins yet. So we'll figure out what exactly the top quarterbacks, like a Jones, like a Haskins, who we'll probably see down the line. We'll see where their mentalities are. but. Credit to Gardner Minshew. He just looks like he's ready to step in, and it's rare to find that in a quarterback so young. And you
1: mentioned his name, Daniel Jones, officially starting for the Giants this week against Tampa Bay. We'll dive a lot more into that after this fantasy hit with Michael Legan.
2: Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup.
3: Okay, folks, here are some three surefire starters for Week 3 of the NFL fantasy season number one the New England Patriots defense that's right now look if you have anyone on New England you might as well start him. if you have the New England water boy you might as well start him against the New York Jets because the Jets are not looking good this week but the Patriots gave up zero points last week against the Dolphins and they lead lead the lead with five interceptions and are tied for second in sacks and they're facing a Jets offense that is without Sam Darnold Without Quincy Enunwa and without Chris Herndon and all that, you have Luke Falk under center. Under center, excuse me. So pencil in the Patriots' defense into your starting lineup. My next starter for the week is Dak Prescott. The Dallas QB is off to a stellar start this season. He's already had at least 250 yards passing and three touchdowns in each of his two starts. And he'll be facing a Dolphins defense that does not look very good. They give up big games to Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. So look for Dak Prescott. Dak prescott excuse me to continue the trend finally my last starter is chris godwin godwin mustered only 53 receiving yards last week this came after racking up 121 receiving yards in week one but however godwin still managed to find the end zone in each of his first two games so he's going up against a giant secondary this week that's been absolutely putrid and they've allowed a league leading 550 receiving yards look for godwin to capitalize and have a big week so to sum up, my three starters for the week are the Patriots defense, Dak Prescott, and Chris Godwin.
1: Mike, I really, really liked your uh, take. Start the Patriots water boy if you got him. I mean, the the Jets, the Jets are really, really uh, underperforming this year, and the Patriots, I think, will 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 pummel them this week on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Jets are right now. They're running into a freight train, and they have. They're probably going to lose to the Patriots. Then you have the bye, and I believe it's Eagles, Cowboys, Patriots again, and then Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. So, ah, uh, it just doesn't look too good for New York. We'll,
1: we'll talk more about the Jets after, but first we're going to talk about the Giants. Let's hear our Giants beat reporter, Brianna Leverty's Week 3 report.
4: Bittersweet. That's how a lot of Giants fans would describe this week with the announcement that Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eli Manning, the 16-year veteran, Will be on the bench supporting the untested rookie after opening up the season 0 2. We got great fans, and they deserve to see wins. And at this point, at least through today, we haven't won. And so we got to do what we can to win. It cannot be sugarcoated that Manning, who's 38, has not performed in recent years. But his gradual decline was made to seem exponentially worse by the disastrous decline of the defense and offense surrounding him. And while this year's team is nowhere near the level of 2007's, let's not forget that the team that beat the undefeated Patriots in Super Bowl forty-two also started out at 0-2. The bottom line, Giants' leadership preemptively benched their ultimate team player. With this change, DJ will now have his first career start against an average Tampa Bay team. The Bucs should be another manageable opponent, but as the G-men proved last week, Even the Buffalo Bills can beat the abysmal Giants. Changing quarterbacks won't offer Big Blue a better chance of winning games until they can totally reconstruct the defense and build up the wide receiver core. So my question is, why not wait until later in the season to replace Eli? As an organization, treat him with the respect he's earned as an exemplary employee and allow a young quarterback to continue learning from the sidelines until later in the season. It's clear that team leadership is scrambling to produce results. And come Sunday, they'll either find what they're looking for or officially begin to revamp the team around its new franchise QB. Either way, New York has entered the age of Daniel Jones. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sport.
1: Flaming hot take there by a Giants beat reporter Brianna Leverty in that report, and we're just gonna dive right into it. I don't know why she particularly feels that way, considering that the Giants' offense looked just as bad as the defense with Eli Manning. Um, but I mean, I mean, Giants fans love Eli Manning; they they idolize him. Two Super Bowls against the Patriots um, looked early early on in his career he's very good, um, but the past like four or five years he's been. Nothing but a shell of himself.
0: I mean, yeah, he's essentially a statue in the pocket. He'll fall down. I mean, he's not going anywhere to make any plays for your team. And the Giants really haven't done him any favors with that offensive line. So the last three to four years have just been a mess for New York.
2: Eli Manning constantly has finished as an average quarterback. I think, like, out of all of his years, maybe, like, one year, he finished outside of, like, the 11 to 15 range in terms of QBR. That's put path- <laughs> He's just not as good as Giants, some Giants fans hype him up to be. He was fantastic. Obviously, he got them their two Super Bowls. You've got to love him for that. He might even be Hall of Fame worthy for those two Super He's Bowls. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. But I, first ballot?
1: Whether, whether he deserves to is, is, a, is exactly. a different question, but the fact that um, he won those two Super Bowls and the the way he he was off the field, the class act that he is, yeah. he's going to make the Hall of Fame.
0: And I would say this to both of you. Had he not beaten the Patriots in those two ways, in those two Super Bowls, do you think people view him the same? Let's say no. they no, had no, yeah, no, th- no, just no. two regular teams, like maybe the Ravens or somebody like that, somebody instead of the Patriots during that time or the Chargers.
2: Archie Manning would try to make him seem like, you know, greater than he is, but I don't think that people would view him in the same way. No way. He gets most of his respect because he beat the Patriots in the same manner, basically twice. Exactly.
0: He's the only one besides Nick Foles who can say that he beat Tom Brady, and not only did he beat him, he beat him twice. So I really feel like that is his golden ticket, to quote Willy Wonka, really into the Hall of Fame for him, because without that, those two runs, he is just a middle-of-the-road, just below-average quarterback for his entire career. And with career. the loss on Sunday to the
1: Bills, Eli Manning's career record is at 500 even. So not not something that I think is a, is Hall of Fame worthy. Um, but again, that's a question for a different day. Now we're going to look forward to the Daniel Jones era. Um, I personally believe it was a good move to start him. You're, you're 0-2. You need a spark plug for this team. The defense is, is a different matter, but the offense needs some life. They don't have many good wide receivers out there with Golden Tate out. Uh, Sterling Shepard is under is, has, is under concussion protocol, and obviously they traded Odell Beckham Jr. But why not see what you got in Daniel Jones? You drafted him sixth overall. You're not going to sit him the entire year if your team is 0-5, 0-6, fi- down the line, finished year 3-13. and 13. If he can change the season this Sunday against Tampa Bay, who Brianna said is not that good, why not do it?
0: Yeah, and this is the perfect game for him to be to debut and just start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who really looked inconsistent themselves through two games. And with that defense there in Tampa Bay, I think there's a good chance that Daniel Jones, he gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. And I think that's the one thing that the Giants offense sorely misses. Eli is a guy who likes to be in the pocket, likes to survey, and that takes time. And when you don't have an elite offensive line, you just can't give your quarterback that much time. So with Daniel Jones there, I feel like that'll be the spark, like Charlie was saying, that they need on offense.
2: It does bring up that question, though. How long is waiting too long to put in your new quarterback, your young quarterback? And what is the point of waiting so long? If you're going to put him... In, you got to stick him into the situation at some point. And if he's going to learn, he's going to learn on the field. So I think that it's a good move for them. And not to disrespect Brianna's take too much. Yeah. But I think that it's a great move for the Giants. And I think Daniel Jones really needs to just get thrown in there. People talk about maybe they'll be shell-shocked. You know, say he throws five picks in his first game. Look at Nathan Peterman. Say he I don't th- think it'll be that bad. It won't be that bad. I completely agree with you. But... I'm talking about just young quarterbacks in general. They can get a sort of shell shock, I guess, from a first game, say it doesn't go their way. But either way, they weren't going to be the guy if they can't shake that off and go into next week and perform.
1: Sam Darnold for the Jets threw a pick six in his first NFL pass. Like It couldn't get any worse for that, but then he eventually regrouped, came back, and won the game against Detroit on Monday night last year. But overall, um, another point that I want to harp on in, on her uh, her report was that they sh- the Giants should give them the respect that he deserves? I mean, at this point, the respect the respect idea gets thrown out the window. I mean, he he was he won you two Super Bowls. Like we said, he was a very good good player during in his prime. He was great off the field, but it's a sports is a business. You can't worry about respecting someone else in uh in terms of playing him. I mean, obviously you want to respect him, and he's been all been great since the uh, the news came out that Daniel Jones was going to be the starter, but. That factor, I think, goes right out the window uh, with your team being 0-2 and and looking this bad.
2: Aside from sitting him last year, which they did towards the end of the season, breaking his streak. Two years ago. Two years ago, ago, my my mistake. He has gotten nothing but respect from the Giants. He's making $23 million this year. (laughs) If that's not enough respect for you, I think... That's just a ridiculous take.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's making more money than Tom Brady, and Tom Brady right now is the greatest of all time. But uh, just going back to Eli, I think they've shown him respect. I mean, the last two or three years, the Giants have had all the reason in the world to just cut him in part ways, but they've kept him on maybe a little bit too long. But just going back to Daniel Jones, I think the one person that is – going to be affected positively by this is Saquon Barkley because their defense is putting eight, nine guys in the box. And now with Daniel Jones, as long as he can keep you honest and get the ball out of his hands, now you have to move back as a defense. And I think that opens up lanes for Saquon to run wild. And even though the Giants are 0-2, he's still the NFL's second lead in Russia right now with 227 yards. And this defense of Tampa Bay is nothing,
1: is, is, it's not um the best defense in the league but Todd Bowles is a pretty good defensive coordinator they shocked everybody and beat Carolina on Thursday night football last week um they're a, a pretty pretty good defense and i don't think people should take them lightly uh, lightly excuse me i know like you said it'll it'll pos- it'll positively affect Saquon Barkley but if if Daniel Jones uh comes out and throws a couple of picks against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers early on i think that'll that'll sh- um rattle him Uh, to the core a little bit.
2: It's also going to depend on what the Tampa Bay offense does because Jameis Winston's another guy that I'm not too confident in going forward and you know if they can get off to a hot start say score a couple touchdowns in the first couple drives that's going to put a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones which I am a little bit worried about. What about you Charlie? The
1: Giants defense is so bad I think Jameis Winston could have a pretty good game against them. I mean he has the really really good weapons. Mike Evans, OJ Howard, uh, Peyton Barber looked pretty good last week. Um well, I, I don't see why why not, why not this Tampa Bay offense couldn't feast on the Giants' defense.
0: But I would say inversely, Charlie, that I think the Giants' defense is happy to see Jameis Winston this That's week true. because, as we all know, he is so wild with the ball. He'll throw high, he'll throw low. I mean, the 49ers just took him apart two weeks ago to start off the season. I think they kind of got lucky with Carolina. That's a team a little bit in shambles with the whole Cam situation. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, just... Against the Giants, I think maybe Jameis Winston is exactly what the Giants secondary needs this upcoming week,
2: and that's why you talk about it It is basically the perfect storm for Daniel Jones to start his career against the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers because because they're in such shambles right now, and because you know it's not an offense that you're going to scream at when you see them. I think that this is perfect for Daniel Jones. He's going to have his opportunities definitely to you know make plays from the pocket and look if he performs he performs if he doesn't he doesn't i think that going forward this is the right move for the giants
1: and i don't want to get your predictions just yet cuz we'll save that for the pickem segment but overall besides daniel jones what for you guys is something that the giants need to do well in in order for them to take this take this game and, and go one and two and re, revamp their season.
0: Well Charlie you were just talking about it. it's no Golden Tate I don't think Shepard will be back this Sunday either so I think that really puts an emphasis on Daniel Jones to find a favorite target and if there's going to be one favorite target out there on the Giants it's got to be Evan Ingram yep. a lot of people thought he was going to break out have a good sophomore year so if there's anyone that Daniel Jones can just go to instantly I think up the seams you know running routes I think Evan Ingram is that guy
2: yeah, Evan Ingram has been that guy, and if uh, like you said, if they don't get healthy, I think it's going to put a lo- a lo- even more pressure than needs to be on Daniel Jones. Sterling Shepard is still out. They don't know if he's going to play this Sunday. It'd be a huge boost because two of their other receivers are still... No Corey Latimer either. Yeah, Corey Latimer just announced he's going to be out for Sunday, so it's really a mess in that receiving core, and you just don't want to put so much pressure on Daniel Jones and add to that.
1: You guys are focusing more on the offense. Um, in order for Daniel Jones to be successful in my opinion. I think the defense has to do their job so that way they can get him on the field and make and let him make plays. I mean, they, they they got lit up last week by Josh Allen. They made Josh Allen look like a Super Bowl MVP out there. I mean, the the amount of times that he he was able to find wide open receivers downfield and get Um, easy touchdowns. It just looked ridiculous. Yeah,
2: and they're just not. They're giving the quarterbacks too much time. They only have three sacks in the first two games. They're just not getting to the quarterback, and that's something. If you can get to Jameis Winston, he's gonna make mistakes.
0: He's gonna he's gonna turn the ball over (laughs) every time more
2: than he won't.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting to see Janoris Jenkins just kind of throw the rest of the secondary under the bus last week against the Bills, just saying, hey, I can't cover everyone. I can only he cover He has not been my... himself
1: either. I don't know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I
0: mean, he got torched up by the Cowboys in week one. So I think the dissent is there, but if there's, I think the defensive line, the Giants have always been known for having a stout defensive line. They drafted Dexter Lawrence. Uh, just no pressure right now and I think if they can't pressure the opposing quarterback that secondary is going to continue to get lit up even by James Winston overall the Giants have a, a fairly good task
1: ahead of them with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tampa Bay is 1-1 one one. Giants again 0-2 oh so they're looking for their first win on Sunday uh, after this fantasy hit with Mike we're going to talk about the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets uh, but first Mike let's hear you're the people who you sh- we should
2: sit this week in fantasy Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week.
3: Okay, so I already gave you my three starters. So here's three people that should sit on the bench this week for your fantasy team. First up, Baker Mayfield. Now, he may wake up feeling dangerous on Sunday, but it would be a dangerous idea to start him in your fantasy team. While he did have good numbers against the Jets last week with 285 yards and a score, he looked off, he looked confused by Greg Williams' defense. And he just didn't seem himself. He was thrown into double coverage. And this week he's going up against a Rams defense that has yet to allow a passing touchdown this year. So keep Mayfield on your bench this week. Next up is Joe Mixon. Mixon was a game-time decision last week and was dealing with an ankle injury. And maybe he shouldn't have played because he managed only 17 rushing yards and 10 receiving yards against the 49ers. This week he's facing a Bills defense that, despite having faced Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley, they're still top 10 in run defense. So keep Mixon out of your lineup. Finally, it's Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders. He was—he's been battling a hip injury, and that certainly could impact his production this week. And the Raiders' offense will be facing a stout Vikings defense that, although not as good as it once was, can still get to the quarterback and can still cover the long ball. And uh, going up in a one-on-one matchup with Xavier Rhodes is not going to bode well for Tyrell Williams. So keep him on your bench as well. So my three sitems for this week: Baker Mayfield, Tyrell Williams, and Joe Mixon.
2: Yeah, Mike. It's a great fantasy sit-ems. I just thank you for uh putting no confidence in my team because I have all three of them oh, on one of my, my teams. Goodness. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for that, Mike. <laughs> I have Joe Mixon.
1: Uh, I mean, I kind of have no choice but to play him because my bench is not looking good right now. So let's let's hope uh he's, he's healthy, he's been practicing. Let's hope he can at least get it in the end zone and get me some points this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to say. I mean, there's a lot going on Baker Mayfield somebody uh I mean, he's just been so erratic himself, just not the guy we saw down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, I agree with Evan. Some good picks, but uh, good luck, Evan. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. (laughs)
2: We'll see. They've rattled off some good performances.
0: All
1: right, so now let's hear my Jets report for the week. And uh, they're facing a tough task against the defense. In less than two weeks, the Jets season has turned from optimism to pessimism. The team is on its third-string quarterback, Luke Falk. They benched one of their team captains, Jamal Adams, and their $72.5 million cornerback, Jermaine Johnson, will probably be benched for what looks to be the second straight game due to lack of production. This is all after what was supposed to be an electric game between two and -and up-and-coming teams on Monday Night Football, which turned out to be a spanking from the road team. Cleveland held the Jets to only three points in what was a 23-3 stinker at the Meadowlands, highlighted by an 89-yard touchdown reception, from Odell Beckham Jr. and his return to New Jersey. Trevor Simeon, who was tasked to lead the team while Sam Darnold recovers from mono, is lost for the season after breaking his ankle on a bad hit by Miles Garrett. Head coach Adam Gase hasn't been pleased with this team's performance since the season began and knows something needs to give.
4: we got to get better at what we're doing. I mean,
0: we can play so much better than this and the details of what's going on, In all
4: three phases, it can get a lot better, and it's going to have to.
1: Before gangrene limps into their bye week next week, the Jets play their first road game of the year against none other than the 2-0 defending Super Bowl champion Patriots in New England. Falk gets the nod to start against Jets' nemesis Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Pats. Interestingly enough, the former practice squad member has a lot in common with the six-time champ. Like Brady, the 6-4 signal callers were drafted 199th overall. Both made their first starts in Week 3 at age 24 and against a legend. Brady started against Peyton Manning in 2001, while Falk will start against his idol this Sunday. However, in the game of his life, I think the stage will be too large for him and the Jets to handle. I believe the patch will dismantle gangrene 42-14 and send Gase's squad into the bye week 0-3. If that prediction rings true, the Jets season will in all likelihood be over before it really even started. Covering the... I'm Charlie Massano. No Sam Darnold, no Trevor Simeon, so that means it's Luke Falk time for the New York Jets as they go down to New England to face the Patriots. I mean, this could get extremely, extremely ugly for the Jets, and they're all, in all likelihood going to start the season 0 and 3. I know Mike is a big Jets fan; yeah. he, he's shaking his head over here. Mike, what, what do you got to say?
3: This is just this is brutal. Okay, the, first of all, when you think of the New York Jets going into New England, yeah, maybe some optimistic Jet fans have visions of David Harris. Running down the sideline, returning that pick six from Tom Brady in the two thousand and ten playoffs. But let me tell you something right now. <laughs> what I picture, I picture Bryce Petty up and doing and getting destroyed in the last game of the season two years ago. And let me tell you, Luke Falk up there, I am I more confident in Luke Falk than Trevor Simeon. I think I am, because he knows the gay system and that gives me a little bit more confidence in the game. But let me tell you, it's gonna I do not feel good about this.
0: Jets fans shouldn't be worried. I, I just saw this. Tom Brady, questionable, with a calf oh, injury, oh, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, Look at that. He's and missing the game. Maybe right. Bill yeah. Belichick just says, you know what? I can throw Jared Stidham in there. We'll probably win by 17, 18 what, points. What, too many strawberries in his diet? I, <laughs> just a little bit too much. A little bit too much on the <laughs> massage table. Just ankle yeah. rolled up, calf rolled up. So, Mike, I think you should be a little optimistic, Perhaps. I, here's the problem, and I said it in my and I said, it in, my, so I, and right I said
3: it in my fantasy update a while ago when I said to pick the Patriots defense. The Jets, first of all, what I didn't mention was they have no offensive line. This and this should tell you the importance of the preseason right here because the Jets' offensive line, all the starters, none of them practice together in the preseason. So these first few regular season games are essentially their preseason games. So it sets back the entire offense because when you can't block. The, there are rushers coming unblocked to the quarterback. If you watch the game on Monday night, Miles Garrett, I, I'm counting at least two, if not more. You got three sacks. Three sacks. What I was going to say was at least two times where he rushed unblocked, no one blocked him. It's Miles Garrett! Wh- what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I that's thats one of my biggest reasons for concern this week, the offensive one.
2: Mike, are you disappointed with the offseason that they had? Because you look at the you top— shouldn't be. I mean, you look at the top five played players, though— Leonard Williams, not really performing up to expectations. I mean, that's, that's, that has nothing to do with the offseason. No, that has nothing to do with the offseason. <laughs> but C.J. Mosley
1: hurts. Yeah. C.J. Mosley looked really, really good week one six before he got hurt. He did. and Williams, yeah. I think, will be a stud when he comes back. I- I'm very yeah. confident in him. Le'Veon Bell, you obviously signed, in my opinion, the best running back in the league. Um, Sam Darnley, get him some weapons uh, in terms of um, re-signing Quincy Nunwa, who is, again, out for the entire season. Robbie Anderson's back. Um, Chris Herndon gets suspended for four games for PEDs. Uh, the Jets did everything they, they could on offense, in my opinion, besides the offensive line, to make this team a playoff contender, and it just didn't work out considering with all these injuries. And a lot of blame has to be put on Adam Gase. His offenses look putrid. You bring him in to be an offensive-minded guy, helped Sam Darnold. I mean, obviously he's out uh, due to mono, but you got to be better than what you, what they're doing. They looked really bad against Buffalo and then even worse against Cleveland.
0: Yeah, Charlie. And Luke Falk, even though he was 20 of 25, which would say that he had a pretty good game, the offense just looked like they were just dipping. Yeah, just dipping and danking like Dak Prescott was his first couple of seasons. But uh, I regress. That's just some Cowboys hate. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, just the offense just didn't look like it was going anywhere. And they tried to force feed Le'Veon Bell constantly. And besides a few good runs, he was bottled up for the most part, too.
2: Yeah, no. Like you talked about, it's really the. It comes down to the offensive line. They just have not played up to any kind of expectations. I don't even know what ex- They had pretty decent expectations coming into the year, but they they're just they just not performed.
1: They got Matt Khalil out of retirement yeah. at center, who hasn't looked that good. They uh, traded. Him. They traded for Coleccio Semele from mm-hmm, the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, they made some moves. It's just they haven't panned out.
3: Yeah, going back to what you were saying, Charlie, about Adam Gase being the, supposed to be this offensive guru. The only reason Gase has that uh, that title of the offensive guru is because he got a cup of coffee for Peyton Manning one time. Peyton Manning ran that offense in Denver. I don't know how much Gase really had to do with that. And then the other thing people give Gase credit for is that. Oh, he helped Jay Cutler have his best season ever. It's Jay Cutler. What are we? We're celebrating that? He, wow, he threw like two more touchdowns, and interceptions. So I do not think Gase is an offensive guru, and that's why I don't think the offense is doing well.
2: By the way, speaking of Jay Cutler, he's on the market, Mike. What do you think? Oh. oh, well, I
3: just let me just say I think it's very fitting for the Jets. They just signed a new backup quarterback this week, and his last name is Fails. So I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty accurate.
0: I mean, this Jets offense is going to face a Patriots defense, the only team in the NFL yet to give up a touchdown and the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to allow three points or fewer through their first two games. And this might be the best Patriots defense we've seen since probably that that uh, 2007 team that went to the Super Bowl undefeated.
1: If you take a listen to the podcast last week, I was very, very optimistic with this team. I tried to stay positive. I, I walked into MetLife Stadium on on Monday night thinking, the Jets are going to somehow do it. Trevor Simeon's going to be, be good. I don't know. He's going to help this team be better. Um, without Sam Darnold, Cleveland is overhyped. They'll they'll choke the game away to the Jets. But after after Monday night and after talking about it on the podcast, I, I've lost all hope in this team until at least all their players come back from, from injury and Sam Darnold can be um, the quarterback that we all expect him to be. But right now, the way it's looking is the season is pretty much over. And it's only way. been 2 weeks.
2: By the way, can we talk about that graphic that the Jets put out about Sam Darnold when they announced that he had Mono? That
1: was an ESPN thing, but yeah, it was it Unreal. was out indefinitely definitely with Mono and he's pointing to the yeah. screen. Unreal. <laughs>
2: Unreal. Just it's,
0: it's it's the it's the New York Jets. <laughs> Same old Jets every every damn year. And they're staring down the barrel of maybe Owen 5, Owen 6, 0 and 7. So, I mean, this is something that could get out of hand real quickly, and I'm sure uh, Jets fans like Mike will be looking for Adam Gase's eyeballs sooner or later to pop out of his head.
3: <laughs> he's going to need some more smelling salts for <laughs> him to wake up, cause, and I, I don't know what we're going to do. The one bright thing I will say, though, is I think Greg Williams, he's doing the best with what he has. I think the Jets – What I, I want to give the Jets some credit here for one thing. They benched Trumaine Johnson last Monday. Night, I, was, I wanted to touch on that before we wrap up. I think that – Well, the main reason why I think they did that is because, look, none of the current people there have any connection to him. McCagnon's the one that signed him. Uh, You know, it it was really Bowles' I guess kind of decision to incorporate him into a Jets defense. So Gase, Williams, um, our new GM, Joe Douglas, they have really no connection to him. So the fact that they at least said, acknowledged, hey, look, we don't care how much money you're making, you're sitting because you're not doing well. And the guy they put in, Hairston, who they traded to, traded for from the Colts, played pretty well. So pretty pretty good. I got to give him credit for that one.
1: But before we wrap up this Jets segment, we got to talk about, the Jamal Adams uh, hit on Baker Mayfield gets fined, comes out. Everyone's worried that he unfollows the Jets on social media, takes them out of his bio, and then obviously Mike mentioned the Tremaine Johnson benching. Um, Adam Gase was very, very direct in the post game press conference on Monday. Everyone was asking him like, "Why is he sitting?" He's like, "Well, we just decided to sit him, and he's not he's not performing." So overall, I, if I'm a Jets fan, I would I definitely got to be a little worried with all these players coming out requesting trades, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, J- Jalen Ramsey, who is still yet to be moved, that one day after and when the Jets go 0-6 or have another bad week, Jamal Adams just comes out and is like, yeah, I'm done
0: with the team. I'm done. Well, I mean, yeah, and I, I think Jamal Adams has a point, though, with, with the, about the league being a joke right now, when it comes to late hits on the quarterback, Russell Wilson took a shot against Pittsburgh that wasn't flagged at all. Then Nick Chubb with Denver, uh, when they uh, had a uh, Chicago, Bradley Chubb. Chubb. Oh, Bradley Chubb, he gets called for that roughing the passer, leads Chicago to the game-winning field goal. So there's just so many inconsistencies. Just defenders just don't know how to hit the quarterback right now.
2: Look at last night. There were so many penalties called in the Thursday night game. And you had Tom Brady complaining on Twitter about it, which, by the way, now the league's going to take action because Tom Brady said something. (laughs) I'll just throw that in there. But Adam Schefter even tweeted out yesterday, there's been like a 20% increase in penalties per game this year. It's been unbelievable, and it's something that the refs obviously need to sort out.
3: Yeah, I think, well, first of all, these zebras, which is what I like to call them, because they're not refs, they're zebras, they're fools, they have no idea what they're doing, they need to wake up. And what I understand is, you're Roger Goodell, why don't you actually do something for once meet with the referees union, and say to them, hey, we can't have this in our game. And maybe as part of the compromise, you can give them full-time deals. The fact that NFL refs are not full-time employees and that they can't do this for a full-time living. Half these NFL refs have secondary jobs because they don't get paid enough. How about we make sure that we're getting them paid well enough so they can
2: actually do their job better? At what point do we bring back the replacement refs? Oh, God. (laughs) Definitely not.
1: That's a discussion for a different day. But overall, I mean, Jamal Adams... um, Hopefully he can get the defense going this week against the Patriots, not likely, and uh, Tremaine Johnson is just a lost cause at this point, but well, obviously I think we all know who we're picking in the Pick'em segment, but before we go to that and pick the rest of the games throughout the Week 3 in the NFL, let's get one last
2: uh, fantasy hit with Michael Egan. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking.
3: Okay, I've given you my three starters, and I've given you my three people that you sit on the bench. So here are three sleepers. First up is Nelson Aguilar, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Despite dropping what would have been a game-winning touchdown pass last week against the Falcons, Aguilar is going to benefit from the fact that Eagles wide receivers right now are hurting. Deshaun Jackson is going to be out a few weeks with an abdominal injury. Alshon Jeffrey is battling a calf injury. This makes uh, Aguilar the potential go-to guy in Philly this week, and he's available in over 70% of leagues, so pick him up and don't be surprised if he goes off. My next sleeper this week is also in the NFC East, and that's Jason Witten, the future Hall of Fame tight end and former terrible broadcaster, is available in over 60% of fantasy leagues, and is holding a touchdown in two straight weeks. So he'll be facing a Dolphins defense, which allowed Ravens tight end Mark Andrews in week one to go off for 108 yards and a touchdown. So Michael Gallup is also out this week for Dallas. Look for Dak to maybe connect with Jason Wynn. And my final sleeper this week is Frank Gore, the future Hall of Fame running back who is still chugging at this older age. Had a solid game last week against the Giants. He scraped together uh, 68 yards on 19 attempts, and he picked up a score. And with Devin Singletary ailing, he's actually out now for this game. Gore is going to get the lion's share of the carries against a Bengals defense that allowed 331 rushing yards so far this season. Gore is available in over 60% of leagues, and if Singletary can't go, which he won't, consider giving Gore a start.
1: Michael, you, had, you held no punches there with the Jason Witten one. No.
2: Jason Witten literally was forced to go back to his old job because he was so bad at his new one, so I think you had a point there.
3: Well, I, th- I think, yes, Jason Witten has been bad, but uh, watching Monday night last week with Booger McFarlane, I, I got, maybe I should cut Jason some slack because Booger was not very good either.
0: I really hope you're right about Nelson Aguilar this weekend because that drop uh, down the sidelines oh, on Sunday so night, bad. just a shot in the heart for me. For yeah, Eagles should be 2-0. But uh, but that's... you
3: did win a Super Bowl while you are alive. I haven't seen that.
0: Shout-out to Nick Foles. Maybe he should come back and start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get my favorite segment of the show, the Pick'em segment. Let's get it going.
1: This week's NFL picks. All right, we're going to start down in Dallas, for the 2-0 Cowboys against the now Josh Rosen led Dolphins who are and 2 I mean it's an easy one for me Dallas ah uh, yeah Dallas
0: by three touchdowns easily
3: ah uh, yeah we them boys Dallas for the win
2: I'm really going to have to think about this one Dallas
0: so that's a clean sweep for us here with that
1: one next Buffalo versus Cincinnati Buffalo surprisingly 2-0 I mean they beat both the Jets and Giants at MetLife Josh Allen has more wins at MetLife than I think Sam Darnold which is Unbelievable, But I'm, I'm going to stick with them. They're going to go
0: 3-0. Yeah, Cincinnati looked good against Seattle in Week 1, kind of let down against the 49ers. Josh Allen doing a little bit of everything with his legs, with his arms. I, I feel like him, Frank Gore, and company, they'll get it done. I'll pick Buffalo today.
3: Yeah, the Cincinnati Bungles and the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, are not going to pull this one out. Give me Buffalo.
2: Hey, the Bills might end up winning more games at MetLife than the Jets and Giants combined this year. But I think they're going to go down this week because Dalton's look pretty good. I hate saying that. I'm going to be pretty uh, hesitant saying that. But I'm going to go with Bengals.
1: All right, so Evan is the outlier there. Next is Andrews Eagles against the Detroit Lions. Detroit 1-0-1, Philly 1-1. Uh, the Lions are home, but I think Philly's going to bounce back and win this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, Philly will be upset. They'll be frustrated. They thought they should have beat Atlanta, even with all the injuries. I expect them to bounce back, and Detroit looks like they're probably on their way to a 7-9, 8-8 season. I'm going with the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly.
3: Uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles, too, on this one. I mean, Matthew Stafford is the most blah, like, middle-of-the-road quarterback that I can think of. So I like the Eagles' defense in this one, and I like the Eagles' offense to kind of succeed even without some of their top receivers so give me the Eagles.
2: Yeah, I'm going with the Eagles as well even though they're kind of injured right now I'm still going to pick them in this week against the Lions I
1: said it in my Jets report, it's Jets Pats, I think everybody here is going to be in agreement, New England by a million
0: Yeah, I I believe uh, it was a 23 point spread, I I think if you're betting, bet on the Jets, I don't think they'll lose by that much, but yeah, the Patriots will win this one easily, maybe Tom Brady comes out in the second half, Jared Stidham some mop-up duty, but yeah, Patriots easily
3: uh, the, the Patriots. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like
2: you said, Mike, you, Adam Gase might have to get his uh, smelling salts up to even get seven points in that game. I'm going Patriots.
1: Evans, Indianapolis Colts against the Atlanta Falcons. Surprised some people and beat the beat the Titans last week. Jacoby Percet looked good. Uh, Atlanta's, Atlanta... I don't think Atlanta's home, but regardless, I'm going to go with Atlanta in this one. They're going to come back and look really good after the the really good win against the Eagles.
0: Yeah, Charlie, I'm with you. I'm picking the road team. I'm picking the Falcons to upset uh, the Colts. I think they found something against the Eagles, especially with Julio and Calvin Ridley. Even though Matt Ryan had a couple picks, he was going down the field, and that's exactly how they're going to score points. So I will pick Atlanta on the road.
3: Yeah, give me the Colts in this one, actually. I like the way that Jacoby Brissett has played so far, and I really think he's going to prove some doubters and some haters wrong as the season goes along to prove that he can be a starting quarterback in this league give me the Colts
2: I am on the obi one Jacoby train I'm gonna stick with the Colts this week and I think that he's finally gonna get that 300 yard game that he's been looking for this season
1: Minnesota versus Oakland Oakland after a week one win on on Monday Night Football against the Broncos came out a little short against the Chiefs Minnesota lost to Green Bay last week uh it's a tough choice but um I'm gonna go with Minnesota they're the home team and that they're probably going to try and bounce back after that loss against Green Bay.
0: Well, John Gruden and Kirk Cousins both are going to have to knock on some wood Sunday to get something done. But you got to take the lesser of two evils. I'll take Kirk Cousins at home. That defense is always stout. I think Josh Jacobs and the Raiders will have a hard time moving the ball downfield. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings.
3: Yeah, give me Kirk Cousins and the Vikings as well. I expect Dalvin Cook to go off here because I don't think the Raiders' rush defense is anything to write home about. And, uh, yeah, just give me the uh, the Vikings.
2: I think this is going to be the week where John Gruden has really had enough of Derek Carr. That breakup is going to be really messy, in my opinion. So I'm going to go Vikings.
1: Potential game of the week. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. This is a really, really hard one to pick. But um, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs.
0: They're just the better team, and they have more of an upside in my opinion the Ravens were a fourth down conversion from Patrick Mahomes throwing across the field to Tyreek from winning that game last year I think the addition of Earl Thomas is key he's been talking about limiting says that he has a plan for Patrick Mahomes I'm going to take the road team and the upside. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and take the Baltimore Ravens.
3: give me the Kansas City Chiefs in this one I think it comes down to the quarterbacks and yes Lamar Jackson is amazing this season but Patrick Mahomes is the MVP He cannot be stopped. Give me uh, the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: I think Lamar and Hollywood are probably going to light up the scoreboard. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game, but I'm still going with the Chiefs as well as Mike and Charlie.
1: Green Bay against Denver. Denver just looks really bad with Joe Flacco. Aaron Rodgers and company are back on track. I'm going to go with Green Bay.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay also. Von Miller, Chubb, they haven't been able to get any pressure at all to the opposing quarterbacks. Green Bay defense looks really, really good. I expect the Packers to win on Sunday, so I'm going with the Pack.
3: Uh, Packers offense hasn't clicked uh, so great so far, but look for maybe this week to be the week where they can turn around a little against the Denver defense that's you know pretty decent, so maybe this can be a good proven game for the Packers. But give me them, and for my own sake, let's hope Devontae Adams goes off because I need him to do well this week.
2: Is Joe Flacco elite? No. Packers. <laughs>
1: All right, now we're going to hit into the 4 o'clock games. We'll do a little bit more rapid fire. Uh, Arizona versus Carolina. No Cam Newton for the Panthers, so by default I'm going to go with
0: the Cardinals. Yeah, Kyler Murray has a throwing parade against the Carolina Panthers. I'm going with the Cardinals too. Yeah, give me the Cardinals. Yep, Cardinals. Tampa Bay versus Daniel Jones'
1: first NFL start and the Giants. Give me Tampa Bay. I don't think uh, Daniel Jones will light it up for them, but again, the Giants' defense is just terrible.
0: I think Daniel Jones will have a good game, but just not good enough. I think Jameis will make a few more throws than him. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Bucs.
3: I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play that poorly. I think he might have a decent game, but experience wins here. Jameis Winston is just more experienced, and I think Tampa Bay can capitalize on a rookie, so give me Tampa Bay.
2: I'm going to be the odd man out, and I'm going to take the Giants. I'm confident in Daniel Jones this week to get it done. That was me last week,
1: and it didn't work out. So (laughs) now we're going to go with the Chargers and Texans. Chargers' heartbreaking loss last week to the Lions, um, and the Houston and Houston came out and beat Jacksonville at home. But I'm going to go with uh, the Chargers. I think they need a bounce back win, and Philip Rivers is going to give it to them.
0: I mean, at some point, that offensive line for the Texans has to guard for Deshaun Watson, right? So I'm going to go with the Texans. The Texans will finally get the job done. Offensive line do some good work. Uh, I got the Texans.
3: Yeah, give me the Chargers in this one. I love Philip Rivers. He got a great experience, and I love Anthony Lynn as a head coach. And to me, the Texans' defense, yeah, look, they got J.J. Watt. They got some guys there, but I don't know. Their their game against the Saints, which I think is a comparable offense to the Chargers, they didn't look too good, so give me the
2: Chargers. As a Colts fan, I can attest to uh, a bad offensive line really not protecting a quarterback. I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to go against you, Andrew.
1: The Ben Roethlisberger-Less Pittsburgh Steelers against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Mason Rudolph will probably have a tough time against that 49ers D, so give me Jimmy and the Niners. Yeah,
0: Pittsburgh in limbo right now on offense. Just not sure what they're going to do moving forward. So I'll go with Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers as well.
3: Yeah, give me the 49ers like you guys said. I like the defense and, you know, Mason Rudolph um, you know, first start. I don't really I can't really trust him right now. So give me the
2: 49ers. Niners are looking great. I'm going to roll with them as well. New Orleans versus Seattle.
1: No, Drew Brees like we've mentioned, uh the Seahawks will look pretty good. So, and I mean Again, no uh, no Drew Brees for them, for the Saints, so
0: uh, I got to go with Seattle. Yeah, another team in limbo with their quarterback position. Uh, this one's an easy one. Seattle win this one at home easily. I'm going with the Seahawks.
3: Yeah, Seattle, Russell
1: Wilson, D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Give me Seattle.
0: Yeah, Saints really aren't going to be able to get anything going, in my
2: opinion. I'm going Seattle.
1: Sunday night football, the Cleveland Browns' first time on Sunday night football in a very, very long time against Jared Goff and the Rams. This might not be as Hard to pick as I'm making it out to be. I'm gonna go with Cleveland at home. I think they're gonna shock the Rams. So you gotta go with some some hard decisions in order to win win the pick'em segment. So give me Baker Mayfield and the Browns.
0: Uh, I think Wade Phillips is gonna throw everything but the kitchen sink at Baker Mayfield. Aaron Donald and Domkensu will be after him all night. I'm gonna go with the Rams on the road.
3: Give me the Rams too. I mean if Greg Williams can confuse Baker. I think Wade Phillips definitely can. And I think Freddie Kitchen so far has just been kind of an
2: unimpressive head coach. I think the Browns lack discipline. Baker's been shaky, but I think that he's going to dust that off a little bit, and I think that the Browns are going to win this week.
1: Last game of the week, Monday Night Football, Redskins and Bears. The Bears' offense with Trubisky has just been really, really bad. Got lucky against the Broncos last week. They need an offensive explosion from Trubisky and that the rest of the offense, um, Washington is a pretty easy opponent, so give me
0: Chicago. I mean, it's hard to pick between Case Keenum and Mitch Trubisky, right? But at the end of the day, the X-Factor is that Chicago defense. I expect them to travel well. Uh, I got Chicago winning on the road against Washington.
3: Yeah, give me Chicago. They have the better defense. And hopefully, you know, not hopefully, but maybe uh, Chicago's offense get going here because Washington's defense isn't, you know, anything
1: special.
2: This is going to be a really ugly Monday night game if my prediction's any bit right, but I'm still going to go with the Bears here.
1: So that'll do it for our Pick'Em segment and the rest of this episode the Week 3 edition of NFL Friday. Once again, Charlie Masano alongside Andrew Posada, Evan Janikin, Michael Legan with the Fantasy Updates, and Emmanuel Barbari in the back producing for us. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure to tune in next week for our Week 4 edition, and make sure to tune in every week throughout the rest of the NFL season. And NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports. Have a good weekend, everybody.